Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Welcome to this week's episode of the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness. This is episode number 75, and hopefully you all can hear me well. I'm actually recording in my car on the phone. It's kind of an embarrassing story, but I left my house keys inside my house. This is embarrassingly not the first time this has happened, and um So I am in my car waiting for my husband to get home. (laughs) And so while I'm in the car, I thought I would just get this intro to this episode ready and going. So I'm not just sitting here in the car waiting for him to get home. So unfortunately, these things happen. I used to get really mad at myself and at my husband when this happens. But, you know, it is what it is, and so I'm totally fine with just sitting in the car chilling right now. So without further ado, I want to introduce this next week's episode, which is number 75 with Dr. Sonal Harter, and this is entitled Self-Care is Not Selfish. And I had a lot of um, fun recording with her a few weeks ago. She and I met over Instagram, and... We will definitely go into why she chose this topic, and her advice to others is that wellness is not one-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional, and it needs to be nurtured. She says that resilience is a muscle that develops as a result of mindful nurturing of mind, body, and soul. And I did not mention, but she is an internal medicine physician, and she's in the process of completing her culinary medicine fellowship. And I had a great time chatting with her. I hope that you all take a listen and enjoy this episode. And I hope you all stay tuned. Take care. Next week, I promise, will be a little bit better. I'm feeling a little bit frazzled, but we've all been there. And I'm giving myself some grace. And I'm not going to get mad at myself. I'm just going to take this time for self-care and actually watch some Netflix while I wait to get back into my house. All right, take care, everyone. Stay safe, and I will chat with you all soon. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Michelle Dang with the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness, the Wishful Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Sonal Harter, and I actually met her, I believe, on Instagram. So we have this like community of like-minded physicians, and I think I saw some of her posts, and I was like, I need to bring her on the podcast. So I'm super excited to have her here to talk about her health and wellness topic. So welcome, Sonal. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Michelle, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Like you said, I think like minds, um, you know, social media is such a good platform for these kind of connections, Mm -hmm. uh, because otherwise in traditional medicine, we would not be meeting for wellness and nutrition and wellness outside of traditional medicine. So I'm so glad we met. Me too. 
And why don't you tell, tell us our list to tell our listeners what word or phrase describes your women's health and wellness topic today? Okay, so especially for my women audience, my phrase and the, something that I live by is self-care is not selfish and self-care is different for different women. So I feel like oftentimes for years and years and years, we have women have this some form of guilt when we take care of our needs, uh, whether it's like hanging out with our girlfriends or going to a spa or eating, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Anything that we do for ourselves, there is this guilt attached to it. And I feel like it's cultural. And it's traditionally because we were supposed we had traditionally we had a, you know, a, a specific like job um, description. And if it's not that typical job description, it brings this natural guilt. And I feel like, you know, it's like driving a car. If you don't have your tank filled, you can't drive a car. So self-care is actually a responsible thing to do. That's, that's how I feel about self-care. I love that. And definitely it is very common in women, even more common, I think, in women in the healthcare field as well. And as you mentioned, culturally. And, right. um, and I remember, so I have a, my son is 12 years old now, but I remember when he was younger, I had these books that called, that were called like, is your bucket full today? And I kind of equate self-care as filling your bucket. And so even though it's still challenging for me, um, I try to, I try to think of it as, you know, self-care is a way for me to fill my bucket. And if I can't have my bucket fill, I can't be present for my family. Absolutely. I mean, that's why it is a it is a form of responsible behavior. So it's it's almost like, you know, I, I, I look at it this way, right? Someone who let's just say someone who drinks excessively, it's an irresponsible behavior. Part of that is genetic, but also uh, irresponsible behavior uh, would be driving behind the wheels. And for me, if you aren't taking care of your mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health, um, you know, what, whatever that looks like to each person, it's different. But if you're not caring for that, you aren't going to be able to care for others. And that's sort of like a being responsible towards others and yourself. So I feel like it's that idea that it's selfish has to go away. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest part I, I, I feel like for me personally is to getting, getting away from the feeling of taking care of myself is selfish, which is what, you know, you kind of mentioned right. a little bit before as well. And it's just, it's a process and it takes practice. Absolutely. And you know, it, it's different for different people. I mean, I, I have friends who for them, self-care is going to the gym for 60 minutes and, you know, just eating the right kind of food or going to spa or spending time with their family. And for me, it, it could be a little bit different than some other people. So it's not the same. It's not always spa and yoga for everybody. It's actually different for different people. And each one of, I feel like we all have to figure out what is it that defines self-care for me and how do, how do I fill my tank? And that's, that's what it is. And I think it's really hard for, for many people who have not really tapped into that, like figuring yeah. out what it is exactly that, what self-care means for them. Sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, and I didn't mention in the very beginning, you are an internal medicine physician and you are in the process of completing culinary medicine. Um, talk to us a little bit about your journey into what you're doing now. Okay. 
Um, so Michelle, I have, I'm actually in an academic internal medicine practice. So I work with medical students and residents and fellows, which is actually my favorite part. So teaching is kind of soul of what I do. I do have, I'm employed by my hospital. So I do have a little private practice on the side within the hospital where I see my own patients. So there's a good balance there for the most part. But you know, when I was in, when I, I've done this for about 12 years now, including my residency years. And I, when I look back, I feel like one of the challenges I had in my practice was I was able to manage diabetes and I was able to manage hypertension. I was able to manage CHF and depression. But when it came to nutrition and when it came to sitting down with my patients and talking to them about food and budget and reading labels and what is the right type of diet, I actually was, at times I struggled because it's so not part of medical schools. And I actually trained in India and I moved to the United States here uh, for my training. So my, it's a little bit different than, you know, students who have gone to medical schools here. But from what I have spoken to my other colleagues who are, who have graduated from schools here, we really lack training in nutrition and mind, body, soul connection type of medicine. And as you you know, we, you know, as you get into the practice of medicine, you realize very quickly that you cannot just treat one aspect of human body. I can't just give you hypertension medications without really talking to you about, hey, what does your diet look like? What is what are the constraints you have to buying healthy food? What are the you know concerns you have about being plant-based? Uh, mm -hmm. what what can I do for you to help you build your recipes? And you know, someone who loves I, I grew up with food at home as a, a language of love. Like food is love in India and in Indian family, right? So mm -hmm. we cook because we love someone. We cook because we want to make them feel special. Food is such a part of so many cultures. Mm -hmm. And so food can be really used to build healthy lives. Food can also destroy someone's health if not you know, used properly. So I feel like it is our responsibility in healthcare to, to kind of bring that to our patient's attention in a very dedicated fashion. Traditional medicine doesn't allow that. In my 20 minute follow-ups, I cannot discuss food and nutrition and diet and exercise and mind, body, soul. So that was my first, and I had this patient who had followed for about nine years and I saw her get really emotionally, mentally unhealthy and how that impacted her choices of food and how that, you know, she went from being a marathon runner to being overweight and then being pre-diabetic and I was like what am I doing on the paper her check boxes were all checked but I did not have time to talk to her about okay so what does that mean if you're in a rush and you're going through a divorce and you're picking your three kids and you're grabbing food from fast food and now you're not running let's talk about that I just wasn't and so my hope is with my culinary medicine skills that at some point I'm actually handing out recipes I'm talking about nutrition in depth um, perhaps home visits to teach them about organizing food and getting the right kinds of food, budgeting their meals, all that kind of stuff. So that's how I got into culinary medicine a couple of years ago. Awesome. And as you mentioned, um, food is such a huge part of so many cultures. And just out of curiosity, and I don't know if you know the answer, we know now in the U.S. Um, we're a little bit more aware, beginning to be more aware of how important food is as medicine. 
and um, very much in the recent times, like within the last couple of years, five, 10 years. I'm just curious as far as in other countries, like you mentioned that you, um, although you did your training here, you did go to school in India. What is the education like on nutrition in other parts of the world? Do you know? So basically when I trained in medicine, we had, I remember we had two classes on nutrition and that was it. So really that wasn't at all extensive or the way it should be given to medical schools, medical students. So, I mean, think about it. I teach medical students now here at my hospital and I ask them questions about when you tell your patients lifestyle modification, what does that mean? What do you, how do you explain that to your patients? Do you know how many times I get blank stares and mm -hmm. they'll say, well, DASH diet. Okay, great. What does dash diet mean? Like break it down for me. Like what is, how many vegetables? What is the fruit intake? What is the sodium intake? Why is, why, how is dash diet different from Mediterranean diet? And I will tell you, I get no response at all. Or what is, I mean, you hear about keto all, you know, all, all mm -hmm. over the internet on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There are people who have not, who are not trained in medicine, who are getting advice to your patients about go on a keto diet and you will lose weight and it's the best diet. Can you, as a medical professional, give them sound evidence-based advice? And oftentimes the answer is no, because we are not trained. We don't have the necessary tools about nutrition and health to teach our patients. And not just nutrition, but also how do you buy food on budget? Not everybody can go to Whole Foods and you know, buy organic food. So what are other options? I feel like, so talking about India, there's a lot of, People do have a lot of these myths about what, what kind of food um, they should be eating. Uh, veg, you know, I, I often feel like in India, I see this concept of being vegetarian, but oftentimes they land up eating a lot of simple carbohydrates and very, very overly cooked vegetables that are not necessarily healthy. So just being vegetarian doesn't mean that you are actually eating healthy carbohydrates. So there is a lack of overall education on nutrition. Um, I remember reading this article in India a few years ago about how coconut sugar is so healthy. And we all know that it is a form of sugar. And so it's not, in fact, you know, if you look at the science behind it, it's actually no, not different from white sugar, it's sugar. And so those are some of the myths that, you know, that run around when you do not have health professionals who are properly trained and who aren't able to pass that message on an evidence-based uh, guidelines. Yeah, and to speak to that, um, you know, I know that there are so many diets out there and um, recently I've read about, you know, high carb, uh, sorry, <laughs> high fat, low carb diet. And people go to kind of the extreme too, because, you know, people or paleo diets, people will just eat all the meat they want, all the bacon, all the butter. And it's like, oh, that's fine. So it's like people just kind of pick and choose what they think is, is right or appropriate. And then they kind of go to the extreme, which is, you know, part of the education piece of it as well. Correct. And we know that, you know, not one size fits all, even with the weight loss and nutrition, you know, somebody like my husband is, um, my husband and my boys are meat lovers. They love the chicken and the fish. Um, I'm plant-based. I'm not vegan, but I'm plant-based and I don't eat any form of meat or seafood. And we kind of break it down into what everybody likes, but in a healthier form. So not one diet fits everybody, not one 
a sort of nutrition plan works for everyone. I think we have to take into account cultural backgrounds, likes and dislikes. What are our goals? Is it weight loss? Is it cholesterol? Is it diabetes? And I think we have to put that all together and come up with a plan that is going to be sustainable. Like you mentioned, you know, all these extreme diets are non-sustainable. And I see that in my practice, people who go on these very low carb diets and, you know, high fat diets. Yeah, they do lose weight. Within six weeks, they lose about 10 to 15 to 20 pounds. But guess what? They are unhappy. They're miserable. The cholesterol starts to look kind of funky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we start having conversations about cholesterol medications and they feel fatigued at the end of the day and mm -hmm. almost angry and irritable. And can you really sustain that? And are we really built for eating only fats and proteins? We are built for enjoying life and eating a very well-rounded diet with lots of really flavorful vegetables and fruits and, you know, um, in, in some portion, some quantity meat. But I think that education is so key. Mm -hmm. And you are definitely right. It's very individualized. And so depending on what that particular person's goals are, then you can come up with a plan that works for them. And I think, I mean, I don't eat primarily plant-based, but the times that I do eat kind of a plant-based diet um, or food or, or dinner or meal, it's delicious. And so there are so many ways you can make food on your own and it can be delicious and it's not restrictive and it is sustainable. Absolutely. And I think when it comes to vegetables, I have to tell you this funny story about my husband who hated cauliflower. Like he just never liked cauliflower. And now he's one of, you know, and I spice it up with my Indian spices and I spice it up. I do cauliflower steaks. In fact, I did that on my stories yesterday. And, um, you know, I just, it's something, I think spices, use of spices can go a long way for any vegetable. And I think it's just about introducing that to people and bringing them in the world of like, you know, look what you can do with your vegetables. So even with your meat and fish, um, I think it's just a concept of, you know, breaking those barriers of vegetables are boring or you don't get protein from your veggies. And that is so not true. So I think all those, it's all about educating the right people and giving this as, as part of your treatment plan to all your patients that are coming in to see you. Yeah. And I personally love cooking. And so for me, it's a joy to kind of be creative with my dishes and see what I can come up with. But for people who aren't really, um, you know, into cooking, what do you think about those meal plans? I know there's like purple carrot, there's a variety of, of uh, different plans out there. I think so. I'm like you, I love cooking and I, I call it my meditation. I often Me too. <laughs> you know when I feel anxious, I think there, there, are, there are activities that I do that distract me from whatever is bothering me or bringing anxiety. And one of them is baking and cooking. I'll just come up with a new recipe. But you know, for people who don't enjoy cooking, so part of this is, um, I, I feel like sometimes cooking can be intimidating, right? It's when you see people, you're like, oh my God, I, I, yes. I can't do that. And it's very not, overwhelming. Exactly. It is. And it is, it is work. So mm -hmm. I often get my boys involved. I'll give them some chores and we do it as a family. But if you don't really, if you're not a big fan of cooking, the good news is we do have so many, you know, deliver like meals or, um, and healthier versions of not just like frozen foods and 
get them and you know put them in the microwave not those options anymore i personally have never used any of these uh, services but i have several friends who actually get some of these meals delivered and they come packaged and they come with instructions and they are you know chopped veggies with just put together with some spices I feel like as long as you read labels and as long as you're paying attention to your saturated fats, what is processed, what's the sodium content of these foods, what what is the added sugar, total calories, I think I think we are able to have those options now, which is fantastic. I mean, even restaurants. I remember 10 years ago, or 12 years ago when I, you know, came here, there were no calories on any of the menus. But now, you know, if you look into most most places have calorie counts and they actually break it down into added sugars and saturated fats, which is so great. It's just few minutes of extra time and you can, you know, you can get all the information that you need for good, healthy meals. Yes. I love all the options um, that we have nowadays. So I think that it makes it a little bit easier for many of us who may find cooking intimidating. Right. And to kind of circle back around to your topic, which was self-care, how do you think that food as medicine is a component of self-care? So I think if you think about food as medicine, right, you will, you, it's, it's about mindset. Food is not just something we enjoy and to live. Of course, those are things that are necessary, but if we treat food as medicine, we'll treat food and our bodies with respect. So understanding that Food can be flavorful and healthy at the same time. They coexist. Uh, food can be unsafe and safe, depending upon how you use them. And food is not something we need to fear about. I think one of the things that I'm not a big fan of is people who go on these extreme, no sugar, just cut out everything that's fun foods. Um, in our house, we I specifically use the term um, you know, fun foods and daily foods. And daily foods are foods that we, you know, are healthy and in the long run should be eaten more. And fun foods are foods that we do it for fun. So on weekends, so on a Saturday, I'm a big fan of Krispy Kreme donuts, believe it or not. We drive to Krispy <laughs> Kreme and we'll grab, you know. Hot now, hot now. <laughs> <laughs> so we do. I mean, I think it's, those are to be enjoyed and have fun. And I think I look forward to that Saturday because I've been so good for five days and I've really taken good care of my health. And I feel like once people see what foods do to their blood sugars and to their blood pressure and to their weight and to how they feel, I think they, they are inspired to um, actually adding healthier foods and eating healthier. So it's a cycle. It's a cycle where you educate them about food, what food can do, give them choices, introduce them to some really awesome recipes. And once there is consistent use of those, I think they see changes in their body, mind, body, and soul. And it, then it becomes like, I want to do this more and more of this. Right. Um, so I feel like that's how I feel about food. The, the relationship with food has to be healthy. There is no bad, awful food. Yeah, anything in excess, apples are good, but that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you eat apples every day, about 20 to 30 apples a day. Mm -hmm. that, that's not going to be good for you. So it's all about moderation and you know, knowing exactly how to balance that. Yes, and you said exactly the point that I was gonna say is um, it's about changing your relationship with food. 
And, um, and that just kind of reminded me of uh, somebody that I'd met in the last couple of years. And this person did so many crazy crash diets. I think there was one diet where this person had just brown rice for like a month. <laughs> and that's all that this person had was like brown rice. And then one month was like, just like basically almost like a liquid diet for a month. And this person was morbidly obese just because they had a very unhealthy relationship with food. And so it is about changing that relationship. Right. And I think part of that relationship is not fe being fearful. You mm -hmm. know, I think sometimes I hear from my patients, oh, I watch my calories and I, I'm very, very careful. And that's great. We know that keeping a log is being mindful, being mindful yeah. that you're not overeating and being mindful that you're eating healthier foods. But at the same time, if you're fearful of something, you're always going to avoid or have these unhealthy ways of dealing with it. And I feel like as, as soon as you realize food is love, food can be very healthy, food is flavorful, food is life, food is medicine. Now I have to treat food and my health in a healthy way, both mind, body, soul. I think it makes sense. And then, like I said, giving them tools, some people aren't very used to using spices or different types of vegetables. That's where I think as a physician, if I'm able to actually give them recipes, my, my dream, Michelle, is to have this visit and one hour visit where I go through the medical problems. And at the end of that 15 minutes, we talk about recipes that I have, you know, created and here's the formula, here's where you shop, here's some budget grocery list, you know, cook it, let me know what you think, let's talk about it. I feel like that is such a futuristic medicine. <laughs> I love that. And, and it will definitely, I mean, it definitely is possible. And, um, you know, it's just about kind of getting them started. And once they get started and see all the things that they can create and it's healthy, then, you know, they'll keep on wanting to do it. It's kind of like positive yeah. reinforcement. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so no, I really enjoyed chatting with you and, and I would love for you to share with our listeners how they can find you because I know that you share lots of fun recipes and pictures on social media. So I'd love to give, give uh, you an opportunity to share with our listeners how they can find you. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. First of all, thank you for letting me share my passion about food and in general, how wellness and nutrition should be. So thank you. I absolutely enjoyed talking to you. I wish we had more time. I know. Um, maybe someday in Arizona, but so I'm only on Instagram and that's actually mindfully. I have just one social media outlet because I feel like otherwise it, for me, it becomes very distracting if I'm on several platforms. So on uh, Instagram, I go by Dr. Sonal's heart and soul. I know it's very long, but I really wanted something that sounded like me. So it's D-R-S-O-N-A-L-Z heart is h-a-e-r-t-n-s-o-u-l so i share all my recipes and i recently actually was brave enough to create a website for all my recipes so it's the website link is on my bio um, on my instagram and people can go and these are all recipes created uh, in my kitchen some measured some not measured i'm very honest about how i do them so it's all on that website. And I think at some point I'm going to get more organized about uh, what days I put out my recipes, but I put out recipes three to four times a week. Um, and they're simple, easy recipes on the go, less than 30 minutes sort of, you know, meal plan. Um, so yeah, so that's my social media um, platform. 
Excellent. And I'll be sure to post the links on our show notes and on our blog. And I will definitely, it's on my list to try out some of your recipes. Otherwise, I'll just like all of your pictures. And I love trying new recipes. So definitely looking forward to trying some out. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful weekend. And thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for coming on to record with us. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've been following me for a while, you'll know how much I love Legree Fitness. It is a high intense, low impact workout on a machine called a Megaformer. Did you know that you have the opportunity to purchase a home machine called a Microformer? If you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the Microformer, head on over to LegreeFitness.com or if you're ready to purchase a Microformer, go to shopmaximumfitness.com and you can use my coupon code MICHELLEDANGMD to save on your own home fitness machine. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.